Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to episode 153 of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McGeady. And if you are hearing the smooth, smooth tones of my voice, that means that you have already read the description of this episode, which means that you also are fully aware at this moment in time that we are going to be doing a big brother fucking episode today. I am so beyond excited for this. I've been telling you guys for literally years, I mentioned on Instagram that I'm, I was going to be recording something that I've been talking about since 20, since 2017, and this is probably the last thing most of you are expecting, and I am expecting the response to this to be polarizing, and I'm okay with that. This is something that I'm doing for me. This is literally a reward for myself. I just did nine parts of a tedious fucking Whitney Houston episode and all I want to do is have a little fun in the words of Sheryl Crow all I want to do is have some fun until the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard bitch I am ready to let loose and let have I am ready to just do something indulgent and fun and every summer I contemplate doing a big brother episode I'm always like maybe this will be the year that I do it this year is all-stars and it just feels right it feels like the time um this just feels like some fun indulgent thing to do after after Whitney and uh yeah I mean I really I think it's time for me to expose myself I really do I think this is the closest I'll ever come to like a YouTuber expose video where I'm like I sit down and you can tell that my eyes are swollen from crying or fake crying And I'm, like, wearing some modest, like, hoodie with no label on it to show that I'm humble. And I'm, like, you know, I never thought that I'd have to make this this video. This is that moment for me. I want to expose my obsession with Big Brother to you. Because I actually think it would shock some of you how deep this actually goes. I really do believe some of you would be surprised by how much time I put into this television program. It's embarrassing, but I know that I'm not the only one. And the reason that I'm recording this episode is because I know that a lot of you listening to this podcast watch Big Brother and you message me and you'll say like, look, do the fucking Big Brother episode. We're ready. Like, where is it? And again, this just feels like, uh, this just feels like the right time. I'm also, by the way, just going to be rambling this whole time. Like I'm literally just going to be rambling this entire time about, different aspects of this show um I want this episode to be something that people can listen to if they don't watch Big Brother so I'm gonna kind of be giving you my my take on the show its history um the different ways that people watch it the fan base I'm just gonna go into all the things because I think even if you aren't a diehard Big Brother fan it's such an interesting if you like reality tv Big Brother, to me, is, like, the peak pinnacle of reality television and the study of human behavior. So, either way, you'll enjoy this, and I'm super, super excited. I can actually remember 
the first time I watched Big Brother. I remember the premiere of the first episode in the year 2000. I remember them... I remember Julie having, like, a a weird co-host at the time. It was, like, some guy who was reporting live from the Big Brother house. He was basically Troy McClure. Um, And he was like, Julie, you'll never believe it. This looks like a normal bathroom. But behind these mirrors are four high-tech cameras that are going to catch everything. Like, it was, like, it was unimaginable at the time. The concept of the show. It was out of this world. I remember as a kid feeling God-smacked by it. I was like, this can't be true. Like, these people are going to go in this house, this weird TV house, and allow CBS to film them all fucking day, and we just get to watch them do stuff. It was a wet dream. For somebody who grew up watching reality TV from its inception to now and being really immersed in it, and I know that, that that experience is the same for so many of you guys. Like, that was an actual wet dream. I just remember thinking this was, like, Willy Wonka-level unbelievable. Like, you could have told me that we were, like, sending a, a, a donkey clone to the moon to start new life. And I would have believed it over this. Because it was early, early, early reality TV. So all of it was so new. And every weird concept and idea that they came up with that seemed like they were all trying to top each other. This was the sort of like survivor American Idol era. But this show actually predates those shows. So it's it's wild. Big Brother very quickly became something that my entire family was invested in. And I feel like that's that experience is similar for so many people because... It was like, in quotes, family-friendly reality television programming. Like, this wasn't the real world. You know what I mean? This was a bunch of, like, middle-aged people learning to coexist in a fake house. Like, it was, it had its own sort of vibe that felt kid-friendly, I guess. Um, And this was also during a time when we would all collectively, as a country watch a reality it's something I talk about all the time like we would watch a reality show together at a specific time you know 8 p.m everybody in America is like on their couch together watching tv together um like waiting to have our fucking minds blown by the theatrics of this program and I would venture to say that reality tv wasn't really technically considered in quotes trashy yet in the year 2000 I think it was something that people couldn't look away from. I think it was, like, something that people were very fascinated by. But if you think about the year 2000 in the context of reality TV, it's true life. And, like, MTV Cribs, I think, was on. Survivor. um, American Idol. It wasn't, like, table flippy yet, I guess you could say. And it's not to say that it didn't very quickly become trashy. It was only like a year and a half later that The Simple Life aired. So it it became trashy very quickly. But it was that sweet spot of early reality TV where it was all still shot as this, like, everything was a social experiment. You know what I mean? As if the producers were, like, some mad scientists, like, rubbing their hands together. It's a social experiment. What will humans do? It was very that. And speaking of American Idol, I know like most people would consider American Idol to be 
probably the first reality show that America could interact with, and that was a huge deal. America being able to interact firsthand with the show. And everybody listening to this podcast episode who fits into the demo of growing up in the United States and being, uh, well, like 27 at least, at least 27 or 28, you know how die hard voting for American Idol was. Like, I mean, the first decade, it was pretty fucking crazy, but those first few seasons, it was like, it's honestly, I don't even know if I have the words to describe it. Like literally all of the energy that we put into Donald Trump in 2020, every single day on the internet, we were putting all of that energy into like Sanjaya. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were ravenous and I was a teenager. Like I fit perfectly into the category of being brainwashed by all those shows. And yeah, I mean, American Idol was my lifeblood for a certain period of time like watching kelly clarkson become the winner of american idol was like watching a president be i mean it was like it was insane but with that said big brother did a lot of things first and it really revolutionized television and it's been a staple in my life ever since so that is my big brother backstory that you didn't ask for but there it is before we get into this next segment uh of the podcast i would like to say one thing there are two types of people who watch Big Brother, and we are going to explore this today. And if you are a fan of the show, you already know what I'm about to say. There are live feed watchers and regular show watchers. Let me explain. Because <laughs> if you're not a Big Brother fan, it's all just like shorthand jargon that you like is like so off-putting. So I want to make I want to try and make a lot of it make sense today. Big Brother is a show that streams on the internet for 24 hours a day. And it also airs on CBS three times a week. Either it was a three or four. I don't fuck. It's on every fucking day. And one of the episodes during the CBS version is a live eviction. It's like the big one that you tune in for actually like live. The CBS version of the show is an edited together version of what happened on the live feeds during the week. So whatever storylines or plot points the producers are trying to, like, create or whatever, that's what airs on CBS, just like any other normal reality TV show. The live feeds version of the show is a completely different experience, which we will get into in a second. But you'll find that the people who watch the CBS version of the show only know a tiny, tiny portion of what's actually going on in the house. And more importantly, what these people's personalities are actually like. And it's weird because even though we're all engaging in the same show about the same group of people, we are essentially having these completely different experiences watching it, which is such a weird thing. It would be like if there were two different versions of each Real Housewives episode. And there was this like long form version where you got to see all of the fights play out in real time. And you really, really, really got to know all of the housewives on this deep, intense personal level. And then there was like the Bravo version where you get like a 10 minute edited down version of everything they fought about in that specific episode. So it creates this obvious massive disconnect. I'm going to use Big Brother 15's Aaron Grice as an example. <laughs> the one we uh, 
that that typically remains nameless. We don't really mention Aaron very often, but she's a good example of like the difference in watching these two different versions of the show. You've probably heard of Aaron, even if you don't watch Big Brother. She is mostly known as the she's the most racist person to ever compete in the show. She's the reason that the Big Brother live feeds have like a parental warning over them now when you turn them on. Um, she really changed the direction of the show in the sense of editing and, you know, the, the show and the network and the producers taking responsibility and accountability for the things that these people say and whether they choose to show America, the people who only watch the CBS version of this show, the things that are going on that don't make them look good. You know what I mean? Versus the live feed people who see all of this terrible shit happening and wonder how CBS is going to deal with it for the general public. So Aaron had a controversy during her season, the biggest controversy up to that point in Big Brother history, uh, because she said a bunch of horrendous shit to people in the house. And on the outside, we watched her lose her job. She lost her modeling contract. It she literally, we watched her in real time destroy her own life. And that in itself is one of the craziest things ever because, you know, they don't know that it's happening. They're locked in a house with no TV or connection to the world. Now, if you are solely a watcher of the CBS version of the show, your understanding of this situation was that Aaron got caught saying some insensitive things a few times and she got called out by Julie Chan on live television um, and she got what was coming to her because she said a couple things that were terrible. If you were a live feed watcher, you knew that for months, most of the cast of this season were doing and saying horrendous shit 24 hours a day. Like, literally as if they didn't know that they were being filmed. As if they didn't know that they were living in a fucking television set, like, being paraded around as a house. And I'm talking people throwing around the fucking N-word, loud with a hard R, on microphone, knowing that they're on TV all the time, flipping people's mattresses, like, flipping this black girl Candace's mattress literally flipping it and bullying her because she was a black girl, making fun of her hair, calling it nappy, um, calling the token gay guy in the house, Andy, a stupid queer, and talking about all the dicks that he's had in his mouth. Like, really fucking insane shit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And the live, the live feed people are watching this get edited into this perfect little tiny box for one episode of the show so that CBS can explain what happened and then just sort of kind of be done with it because they obviously don't want to dwell too much on the fact that they hired a like blonde haired, blue eyed Ku Klux Klan member into the cast this season. And we're also watching CBS pin all of the racist behavior on this one person. 
And like I said, Aaron was a terrible, terrible cunt. But there were several terrible, terrible cunts in the house that season. People like Gina Marie. I mean, the, it was a horrendous cast. And for the sake of narration and for storytelling, CBS just told America that Aaron was the problematic house guest because it was just easier for them to do that. So immediate disconnect because you have a whole, you know millions of people watching this show and thinking that this is how all of this played out. And then you have millions of people who watch both versions of the show and they watch the live feeds and they know that there are other cast members who are fucking throwing around the N-word and bullying black house guests and bullying the gay house guests and bullying the Asian house guests and they're all doing it. So it's wild. And having conversations with people who were watching that season, it was like it was like living in two completely different worlds. So you can imagine how difficult it is sometimes to even have like surface level conversations about the show, even with people amongst the fan base. It's a very, very odd thing. It's one of the only reality television uh, shows that I've ever had that sort of experience with. Like when I talk to people about Real Housewives, it's like you may have a difference of opinion about a housewife. You may not believe that Bethany Frankel is the premier housewife the way I do. But we've seen the same show. We've all watched the same show. We've seen the same footage and we've based our opinions on that footage. My version of Big Brother is completely different than your version, depending on how much of the live feeds you watch, if you watch them at all. Um, it's, It's wild. Speaking of live feeds, let's really talk about it for a minute. Let's like actually get into it and not like talk around it anymore. So I know that statistically there are more people who watch the CBS version of Big Brother than people who watch it on the live feeds or both or whatever. Um, Of course, because it's, I mean, just by nature of it being easier and free to watch it on TV, you have to pay for the live feeds. And there are people who, you know, religiously watch the CBS version of the show and consider themselves to be huge fans of the show, having never seen a single moment of the live feed footage. The Big Brother live feeds consist of four cameras that are all obviously controlled by the producers, of course. Um, Which four cameras they decide to show usually depends on, like, who's talking about what in whatever part of the house. If there's a large portion of people congregated to one portion of the house, like, they're going to show that on a couple cameras. And then, you know, they'll kind of bounce around and just show different conversations happening throughout until you fall on something that's, like, interesting or you know, related to the game or just, I don't know, fascinating, something stupid, something funny. They, they, they do a pretty good job of like bouncing around and trying to get every room in the house. Again, they're on 24 hours a day, of course. And I mean, there's a few exceptions. They don't really show them in the diary room, which is the room that they do their confessionals in. They don't show competitions on the live feed because otherwise you would literally have no reason to watch the real show, um, the show that their ratings depend on. So they have to cut certain things out so that we have to tune into the actual show, which makes complete sense. Other than that, it's pretty much a free for all. So if you, I mean, look, if you decide to start a fight or I don't know, do your hair or have sex 
or whatever, get fucked in a shower. It is on camera. It is on camera on a live feed and it you can watch it. The only other restrictions they have as far as the cameras that they aren't allowed to talk about is production. They're not allowed to talk about the producers of the show or how it's made or things that they talk about in private with the producers in the diary room. Um, that stuff is off limits. They also aren't allowed to sing any copyrighted music for an entire fucking summer. Can you imagine not singing a song for three months? Any song that you've ever known? Like, not even humming it? You're not allowed to even think about it? That, for me, would be the absolute worst thing. And because the house is literally alive, the whole point of Big Brother is that the people living in the house are supposed to feel like the house is watching them because it is so it talks to them and there are these pre-recorded vocals from the creator of the show fun fact the the vocals that you hear from the person that says like please go to the diary room like that's the man who created big brother um so basically in the production room they have this big giant console and it has buttons all over it. And they're like these generic pre-recorded buttons where then the guy goes in and says each person's name. So they can click two buttons and it'll say like, like, Janelle, please exchange your like battery pack in the di- in the, the storage room or whatever. Um, or like, Janelle, please stop singing. Or like, you are not allowed to talk about production. Like the house literally is alive. And it's so weird because they... They don't really show that aspect of them living in the house on TV, that their house is alive and that it talks to them and that it they get so used to living in that weird TV house that they think it's completely normal that their house speaks to them. And normally if something is happening that production doesn't want you to see, they will cut to, it's called, the, the in, in Big Brother terms, it's called cutting to fish. Um, and usually there's a camera inside the fish tank. So if there's like a competition happening or if they have to come over the loudspeaker and talk to the house guests about something that like we aren't allowed to see or hear, um, they'll cut to this camera that's inside the fish tank in their house. And for the time being, you just like watch the fish, which is a really weird thing. And also I've like weirdly watched the fish for long periods of time and then had to stop myself and be like, wow, you really are a fucking lifeless psychopath. And the Big Brother live feeds are interesting because as a person who loves reality TV, you're getting to see this like slow, like I said earlier, like a slow burn, long form version of what actually happens behind the scenes of a reality show. So to put it into perspective for anyone who's feeling completely lost right now, I've got you. Trust me, I promise. Imagine the real world with no edits just live undoctored footage of people becoming friends, becoming enemies, um, forming relationships that turn into marriages or again, them just having sex in the shower upstairs. Like also getting into super, super, super intense, crazy fights, sometimes physical fights that last hours like long, slow burn fights that last hours. Reality television fights that last all afternoon. It is, ugh, I have goosebumps right now. I'm not even kidding. Watching a fight or argument on the live feeds is one of the most surreal moments because by the time it happens, 
you have already watched a slow buildup to this climactic moment that could play out for the rest of the night. It could play out for a couple days. This could be a, a couple days long fight that has ups and downs and and you just don't know. It's like, um, it's like, imagine being in the room when Lisa Rinna slammed the wine glass or being in the room when Kelly Ben Simone had an emotional breakdown on the beach instead of seeing like a 10 or 15 minute version of it that the producers thought would help push the story. You are seeing this long, like intense, crazy fight. And this kind of circles back to this concept that there are two versions of the show. The thing is, Big Brother is basically human chess. That's like sort of supposed to be the whole point of the show. It's a group of people who know they're in this house specifically to lie and manipulate and bamboozle their way to winning a bunch of money. And the really interesting thing about Big Brother's casting is that you can never really guess what weird skills or whatever a person will have that will assist them in winning this game. Like you can't guess that some like 30 year old bartender from Oklahoma or whatever will be a master manipulator in a way that's almost like Shakespearean. <laughs> like you're literally looking at a person realize a craft that they have, which is glamoring people into doing stuff that they want them to do. And I'm telling you, if you are a person who is I mean, look, we watch reality TV and we watch good reality TV because we're interested in human behavior, right? We are interested in watching humans interact with each other, like just human behavior, the human condition. And Big Brother is like the pinnacle of that because you really, really get to sink your teeth into the psychology aspect of this game if you watch it on the live feeds. Like watching people manipulate each other is... It's such a wild thing. The other really weird sort of useless life skill that I feel like I've learned from watching the Big Brother live feeds is really learning how like reality TV production and casting actually works. I love listening to the house guests talk about how they got on the show with each other after they've like settled in. And you'll find that some of them are recruits, which basically means they were like out at a bar or something and some person approached them. Or like more recently, they'll be, they'll get like a DM from somebody on Instagram that's like, hey, like you're pretty. Have you ever thought about being on TV? And then some of them actually audition for the show and get cast old school way. And some of them will, this is really interesting. Some of them will try out for a different show and then they get placed on Big Brother. And it's usually The Bachelor. It used to be the real world a lot. But in the past like eight or nine years, it's been The Bachelor and it's usually girls that are auditioning to be on The Bachelor and they don't get picked. And then they'll say like, we don't like you for this, but we love you for this. Like, have you ever thought about living on an island for a month or being on Big Brother? I mentioned earlier that the human condition aspect of the show is one of the most interesting things that they cut out of the CBS version. And... It's funny because it's like when you get there, the biggest adjustment is the downtime, which is something that they really, really do not put enough emphasis on the downtime because the downtime is purposeful. It is specifically to make them go crazy 
because they feel like even though they can kind of freely walk around this house, they're still trapped and they're still in a version of solitary confinement. And it works so fast. It's always within like two or three. It's usually around two weeks. The first week, they're all like getting to know each other. There's a lot of like, where did you grow up? What do you do? What's your family like conversation? Week two, they don't have anything else to talk about and they start to lose their fucking minds and the paranoia starts to kick in. And once the paranoia kicks in, it's over with. I mean, they are fully engulfed in the house. The house has their soul. It is full on haunting of Hill House, like no joke. And they do other little things to fuck with them. Like they'll restrict what they can eat for a week. Um, They've always done that. And for some reason, they stopped showing it on the show for a long time. They just incorporated it back into like the actual television show. Um, But as punishment, sometimes they'll get put on like a food restriction where they can only eat this stuff every day called slop. It's iconic to Big Brother fans. It's basically like uh, a nutrition porridge it's like oatmeal, but like not oatmeal. <laughs> like there's barley in it or something, I think. There's like actual grains in it, but it's literally like nutrition slop. It's tasteless slop that they eat like oatmeal. They try and do weird shit with it that always makes me really uncomfortable. They make like slop meatballs and slop cakes. I'm like, I, I, they like put it in the pan and fry it and put barbecue sauce and shit on it. It looks horrendous. And it always gives all of them like bowel issues. One of the cast members this season, Nicole, um, literally said that it felt like she was eating cement and she could feel the slop going into her stomach and she hadn't pooped in like three days and she looked faint, but they don't really show this shit on TV. Sometimes they'll like restrict the outside. They have like a little, it's like a makeshift yard. Even though there's walls that go like 30 feet up into the air, they can at least get sun and they restrict the, they restrict and manipulate the outside time specifically because again, it like forces them to kind of go crazy a little bit. Um, And production knows how much they look forward to it. It's actually really fucked up. Um, they'll put them in these like silly costumes sometimes as a punishment and they have to wear them for an entire week. They'll do things like handcuff people to each other for an entire week. And they put this sort of like slapstick thing behind it on the CBS version of the show. But then like in reality, I'm watching these people like actually be like solitary confinement, orange is the new black, miserable. Like, imagine having to handcuff yourself in a house where you staying in the game depends on you being able to go around and whisper and make deals with people and lie and manipulate and, you know, promise things and whatever, make alliances. You are now handcuffed to a person for a week that you have no relationship with. And I'm talking like, they wait outside the bathroom door for you to take shits and like you stand next to them like in the shower like it's insane and it always starts off like really silly and like kind of funny but then they start to lose their fucking mind same thing with the costumes they always give them these really obnoxious like costumes that have props and things that they have to carry around and 
It's like they love it the first day or so because you got a, a silly costume from Big Brother that they usually let you keep. But then after a couple days, like Janelle right now, we're going to get into the cast members. But like at the moment, Janelle is walking around the house. Well, she was wearing this giant light up star. And it was funny at first because she's wearing a star that lights up. It's silly. But then three days into walking around your house all day in a giant star and like knocking shit over when you turn around and not being able to fit through doors and like all of this shit. It's like it's little things like that and a house meant to make you feel crazy that will fully push you over the edge. And as crazy as it sounds, after a summer of seeing every single possible aspect of these people's personalities and learning so much about how they operate and their defense mechanisms and their response to arguments and you know you think that you're going to really like somebody and then you learn that they're terrible or that they have this really terrible quality that you can't look past like it's super weird um so as you can imagine <laughs> as invested as people get in this show the fans of Big Brother can be extremely toxic for obvious reason. And the craziest thing about this show is that the fans have been toxic since the beginning. And obviously the internet has helped kind of further that along. But even back in the day, you had fans that would call cast members jobs and try and get them fired and... There was a woman named Shelly, um, maybe like 10 years ago, who had somebody call a bomb threat into her daughter's school. Crazy shit like that. And they all need, I mean, all reality TV stars have to go through like a psyche valve or whatever to get on the show. And a lot of them will talk about how they need therapy after. But Big Brother people really, really have to go into... They leave the house and they all talk about it. They all have this really crazy form of PTSD where they don't know how to adapt to the normal world. They don't know how to change clothes in a room alone, out in the open without feeling like people are seeing them. They don't know how to live in a house that doesn't talk to them. They don't know how to exist in the real world anymore. They don't know how to go outside and have the freedom of their phone and you know, going to places that a lot of people are at at one time. All of it is like, because they've literally been in like a weird version of jail. And I personally cannot imagine a worse torture than being locked away from the world for however many months and not knowing that they're all planning your demise because they hate you so fucking much because you voted somebody out that they really like or you're not working with the person in the house that they want you to work with or... You know, in Shelly's case, she sort of helped orchestrate and voted out this guy who at the time was deemed like America's fucking sweetheart. He was like Jeff Schroeder. Everybody loved Jeff and Shelly backstabbed Jeff. And for that, her daughter got bomb threats. I mean, Shelly like really, I'm pretty sure Shelly had to move after the show because her death threats were so intense. And, you know, these people are fucking nuts. And I'm a really big fan of the show, but I'm not fucking crazy. And I honestly, I always feel really bad for these people leaving this house and not knowing that their worlds are going to be flipped upside down because I don't think there's any way to prepare you for it. 
Especially because a lot of the people that go on the show, like I said, haven't watched it. Which is also insane, and we're not going to get into that, but it's like, who goes on a show like this and hasn't seen it? it like, that to me makes no sense. Um, so they're completely unaware of how any of this plays out. They don't know that when they leave, people have dug up their police reports, they've looked at their job history, um, any sort of, like, money that they owe to anything, people have found it, like... If there are bitter exes, they come out of the woodwork and talk about the, I mean, it's all, it's insane. Now that we've covered why I love the show, and I think it's important to watch the live feeds if you are a fan of the show and never have, I would like to start discussing the cast of this current season of Big Brother All-Stars, if we may. I'm going to run down the list of cast members and we're going to just talk a little bit about each one, sort of what they're known for. I don't claim to know every cast member, um... In, a, in like a really deep, intense, like live feed way. There's a couple of them that didn't really mean a whole lot to me coming into the game. Um, and we'll get into that. But yeah, we're just going to talk about what they've been up to. I'm recording this on August 21st. So we'll talk a little bit about what's been happening on the live feeds since the start of the show. And I'm just going to ramble for a little bit as if that's not what I've been doing for 36 minutes. Shocker. I'm actually going to start with Julie Chen Moonves. Because if the, you thought that I was going to go through the cast of Big Brother and the history of the show and talk about what it means to me and not talk about Julie, you're out of your fucking mind. Here's the thing. Julie Chin is a massive, massive portion of what makes this show what it is. And it's not because she's some amazing host. If anything, Julie is iconically terrible. Um, in recent years, she's been able to kind of, I guess, embrace how robotic she is and she leans into like her chin bot thing which is a name that people came up with came up with for her years ago because she's so robotic and I mean she's literally like a beautiful Westworld robot hosting a television show like I always say you know I always make the joke that like there are certain people that if you like poured water on them I'm convinced they would spark I'm pretty sure I that joke originated with Julie Chen like, I'm pretty sure if you got Julie Chen wet, she would just start glitching and fembotting. Julie Chen, I guess you could say, is the face of Big Brother. She's the house guest's connection to the outside world. And I don't think Julie Chen gets enough credit for having been with the show for 20 fucking years. 20 years? And there's also so much emphasis all the time put on what Julie wears. I mean, she's undeniably fucking gorgeous. Like, Julie Chen is literally so beautiful. But when it comes to her style, she either hits it out of the fucking park. Like, she either looks like a real housewife during a, a reunion on their best day. Or she looks like she's got her clothes from, like, a Sims closet. I swear to you, sometimes her clothes literally look computer generated. Like they look like video game clothes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She looks like a character in Sims that has a whole bunch of fucking simoleons. Like the person figured out the the like glitch of like planting a plant and just collecting money. And they've been able to buy lots of wacky fashions. That's what Julie Chen looks like every week. Not every week, but most weeks. Um, anyway... <laughs> Before we get into like the actual cast, let me just start by saying, obviously, these are my opinions. 
I'm going to try and be as non-biased as possible. I'm just going to give like a quick little synopsis of like what the person is known for, in my opinion. Um, because this is All Stars, obviously everybody on the show has been on it before. So yeah, I'm just going to give like a, just don't, I'm basically trying to say don't come for me, okay? I know how Big Brother fans are. Don't fucking come for me. Don't come for my children. Please, don't, during these times, leave my kids alone. We're obviously starting with Janelle because duh. Because doy, because I'm a gay man. Doy. Janelle is the unofficial queen of Big Brother. She's competed a record number of times, and this is her fourth time playing. And amongst the fans, Janelle is basically sort of known as like a she's like the bridesmaid of Big Brother. She's the bridesmaid and never the bride. She never wins the show. She all sometimes she comes close. Sometimes she doesn't come close at all. Um but America is always rooting for her the house down with our entire hearts. Where do you even begin with Janelle? I would say that Janelle is sort of like the Bethany Frankel of this show in the sense that she was on very early and she made a really, really, really big name for herself early, early on. And she sort of created this prototype of a type of girl that goes on Big Brother, like a strong, scrappy, you know, competitive, like, badass woman who also just so happens to be, like, seven feet tall and beautiful. She's She looks like a Nordic alien. She's fucking gorgeous. Janelle was almost like a parody of a hot smart girl in a movie and like a teen movie you know what I mean um she's also from Minnesota and she's a really strong accent which is like a really big part of her identity I feel I love Janelle's accent and yeah she's just like scrappy as fuck and she's feisty and she doesn't take shit and she looks like somebody who would be sort of docile and weak but she's the complete opposite um and on top of it she holds the record for the most wins the most competition wins in the history of the show. Like, she's just, like, a fucking icon. Um, in her original season of Big Brother, Big Brother 6, I mean, first of all, Big Brother 6, I think, is one of the most compelling seasons of a reality television show in the history of the format. It is, I mean, it is this show at its, for me, at its absolute peak. It is so good. And... It's compelling because she had an entire house of really, really, like, outwardly bitter, jealous women after her. They were against her and they wanted her out so bad, but she just kept winning shit. She just kept winning stuff and she fought, she literally fucking kill-billed Uma Thurmond her way to the end, like, almost to the end. She fought her fucking ass off so hard. One of my all-time favorite moments in the history of Big Brother is uh, during that season, she won this competition. This is like, I'm going to have a hard time getting it through this because it's like too much. I'm getting like too excited now, if you can tell. Like, we're getting into the cast, like things are happening. So Janelle won this competition, right? And the competition win was that she got to call somebody from home and like ask them a question about the outside world and mind you these are all people that have like children like a lot of them are married um you know they have like 
families and shit, you know what I mean? And Janelle won. They were all livid. All of the women fucking hated this girl. And so they all got to like gather around and watch her make her phone call. And I'm pretty sure the producers did that just because they knew how much it would piss everybody else off to hear her talking on the phone. And instead of calling her family, Janelle called a guy who had just left the house the week before. (laughs) She called a guy who had just left the house. And she was like, hey, how are you? He'd been gone for like three days. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, he, they were like talking for a second and she, the only question she asked him about the outside world was if Britney Spears had her baby. Just iconic. I mean, really iconic behavior, honestly. As far as what's happening right now, I'm a little bit nervous for Janelle. I'm not going to lie. She's had, she has every card stacked against her. This is her fourth time in the house. Everybody knows Janelle's game. They all know that she's really good at stuff. They know that America is obsessed with her. They know that she's a fan favorite. They know that she's really hard to take out. Um, And they all know that she's like really feisty and that they don't want to fight with her. So she's got a lot of like baggage coming into the house. And I'm not one to blame jealousy as a reason that people don't like someone because I think it's reductive. But in Janelle's case like her confidence really does make women who are already insecure lose their shit and it's so funny because she's always so unbothered by it like there are always these moments that are hilarious of like if you're clicking back and forth on the live feeds like you'll watch this conversation happen between Janelle and another girl where in her mind it's completely normal and in the eye the eyes of like the viewer, it seemed normal. It seemed like a normal sort of chill, basic ass interaction about nail polish or something. It's just nothing, nothing serious. And then the person leaves the room and they're hysterical. And they're like, she's such a fucking slut. I swear to God, she's a slut. And she knows she is. That's the problem is she knows she's a slut. And you're thinking, like, what happened? And then you click back over and Janelle is in the other room, like, painting her nails and whistling. Like, she has absolutely no idea. And it's just, like, it's so funny. Actually, it's so intense that the fans, like, over 10 years ago came up with this term called (laughs) Janellacy, which is a real thing. It is a real thing. Like, the women in the house just... She intimidates the women in the house because she's tall and beautiful and fucking strong and powerful. And she intimidates the men because she doesn't submit to them in a way that a lot of the other girls do. A lot of the, like, the girls that will typically, like, attach themselves to guys or, like, they'll form alliances with a bunch of boys and just hope that they get protected. Janelle isn't that girl. Like, she can typically beat guys, so it's, um, you know, I'm rooting for her. Obviously, I love Janelle. I would love to see her go really far. I don't think it's going to happen. I just can't imagine how it will. The house right now is so turned against her. They all think that she, I mean, she's literally done nothing mostly, but like lay around in bed and just kind of like do her makeup and hair. Like she's tried to kind of stay out of the fray. 
but they've all spun this narrative because they're all so paranoid right now. Everybody is losing their shit. Nobody knows up from down. And they've created this narrative in their minds that Janelle is, like, out to get all of them. <laughs> like, she's, like, an old hag living in the house just there to, like, haunt them and, like, hold their ankles down while they sleep. And she isn't doing anything. But I think it's too late. I don't I don't know. You can't count out Janelle. And when she's backed into a corner, it's when she does her best work. So you can't count her out. We'll see what happens. I'm rooting for her. That's the story on Janelle. And by the way, they're not all going to be this long. I just really love Janelle. Let's move on to Christmas so I can just like get this out of the way. So Christmas is, her original season was uh, Brig Brother 19. Um, Christmas is most known for, in the house, she was like rough. First of all, Christmas is like a fitness instructor. She's like a Jillian Michaels and that's her whole thing. Is she wants to be a mix between like a Teddy Millencamp, like accountability coach and just like a Jillian Michaels, like instructor or whatever. She's very much there to promote, 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 promote. She's constantly promoting her businesses. She is a real fucking narcissist. If I've ever, if I've ever seen one, um, she really loves to talk about herself and, you know, her approach to this and her approach to that. And, her fitness plans and her yoga instruction and her life coaching and all of the things. Um, she's most known for falling and breaking her leg during her season of Big Brother. She competed and really manipulated her way into allowing the allowing herself to stay. Like she convinced the house to pity keep her almost until the end of the game. Um, and they just kept her because they knew no matter what, she wouldn't be able to win um, because the competitions, I mean, there's, it's inevitably going to be a physical competition and her leg was broken. I would say for Christmas, like the wrong that she needed to write was that she allowed Paul um, her last season to just kind of tell her what to do the whole time um, she sided with a bully who gave orders and ran the house like a dictator and she very happily sort of complied and did what he told her to do the whole time. Um, that seems to sort of be her natural thing. Like she just kind of falls into that. Um, she's doing that now with Memphis. Like she just kind of waits for him to tell her what to do and she's voiced some concern about the way he talks to them and now he talks down to everybody and how he's controlling a little a little misogynistic but it doesn't stop her from like running up to him all the time and you know trying to convince him that she's been a good girl today and all of the information that she got for him I don't know what the hell Christmas is gonna do I can't really read Christmas um I can read her but like her gameplay I just don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about Christmas, but I, I, I don't, I'm not a real big fan. Let's talk about David. Um, so David is, I mean, literally was on the show last year. He is mostly known for going home first. And he is one of the only players that I know in the history of the show where his punishment he, the twist of the season was that when you leave the show, you just don't leave and you get to stay in the house and be like a 
a weird like recluse upstairs in an attic and you're not allowed to really like involve yourself with gameplay you just watch everybody else do stuff and then you get to play you get to compete to come back into the game so David spent a month in the Big Brother house not being allowed to really partake in Big Brother. Um, he was not a fan of the show before he came on. And he's really hot. He's a really nice guy. He's super, super sweet. He's a little dense from what I gather. He's very, um, he's sort of socially unaware in a way that I could see in the long run how it would annoy people. I can see how he re he's the kind of guy that you meet and you really, really like for like a long time. But then you do something where you spend a bunch of time with them, like hours, and you're like, oh, you're like kind of annoying. But he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. Um, his strategy this season, I guess, is just to pretend that he doesn't know anything about Big Brother. And I know that there's a, a large portion of that that is true, where he literally doesn't know what the fuck is going on. But I think he's doing it, I think he's done it overboard to the point that now people just think that he's like this dopey idiot that doesn't ever know anything. And I don't know, I don't think David has a real good chance of winning this game. He just seems really clueless and lost. Which sucks because David got really fucked last year. He was in the house with a racist hillbilly named Jackson who ended up winning the show. And Jackson was terrible to him and called him boy and wouldn't allow other house guests to talk to him. And um, yeah, it was really gross. It was some really fucking gross behavior. I'm rooting for David. I mean, even if, if to just keep him in the house because he's so fucking cute. And aside from that, I mean, yeah, it would be cool to have somebody who isn't fucking white win Big Brother. Like, that would be chic. And I know that that's a really big thing for David. He really wants to be the first black guy to win the show. So we're rooting for you, hon. Let's move on to Nicole Anthony. Strong Island. Strong Island Nicole. Nicole Anthony was also on David's season. She was just in the house. And I think there's a huge disadvantage of being on the show and then leaving and going right back. I think everybody else in the show has had a lot of time to really kind of figure out what they did wrong, you know, how they've had time to really kind of figure out who they are. Some of them haven't been on the show in like 12 fucking years, 13 years. So they're completely different people. Whereas Nicole and David have not really had that opportunity. Um, Nicole, was mostly known last year for being the ultimate underdog. She was America's sweet little angel in a house full of racist, narcissistic psychopaths. Nicole was the shining beacon of fucking hope and light that we all needed. And she kept losing everything. She couldn't win a fucking competition to save her life. And then it just felt like at the, like literally God spoke on the day that Nicole won her first competition. It was amazing. She needed to win it and she did it. And it was like, it was literally like America had won because up to that point, we had been watching these racist assholes just dominate the, the fucking game the whole summer. It was so horrible to watch, but it, then it became so Shakespearean because of Nicole Nicole saved the season 
And she went from being this like sort of underdog and in quotes, what you would consider to be a floater. I would imagine at this point, if you're still listening, you're a fan of Big Brother. So I don't need to like explain terms to you. Nicole was a floater and she wasn't a coaster. She was a floater. Like she knew what the fuck was going on. She was aware of what was happening in the house and she kind of played the back burner a little bit until she needed to wake up and, and really like go for it. And Cliff fucked her and she lost the game because of some old hillbilly. Nicole this season, I mean, Nicole is, if you are listening to this, Nicole has already been voted out. I'm sure you know that. Um, I mean, Nicole really, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. Nicole drank the Kool-Aid as I recall mentioned earlier uh Janelacy really became a factor in the house this year and Nicole was Nicole drank the Kool-Aid she allowed a bunch of people to convince her that Janelle was this evil manipulative psychopath when Janelle was going around the house campaigning for her to stay Janelle was going around the house doing everything she could working her ass off day and night to help Nicole stay. And Nicole's dumbass was following her around and turning the house against her. She obviously ended up going home. I think that this was way above Nicole's pay grade. What is that saying? Pay rate? You know what I'm saying. She wasn't built for this. This is a house full of like some really fucking strong, intense personalities. Nicole was not built for this. She was not built for all stars with fucking Janelle. I'm sorry, sis, but it's it's just it's a it's a no for me, dog. I love Nicole though. Um, I'm sure we'll see her again. CBS seems to really be in love with her, and she's she's a great underdog. Um, she was frustrating to watch this year, but it happens. Love you, Nicole. Bye. Let's move on to Danielle Donato, um, who I lovingly refer to as the Drew Barrymore of Big Brother because Danielle is like, you know, I would say Drew Barrymore, <laughs> but if Drew Barrymore is like, if Hollywood could give birth, it would be to Drew, it would be, Drew Barrymore would be Hollywood's like child. Um, Danielle is the child of Big Brother, in my opinion. Um, she's been on two seasons and, her first season is just like truly fucking wacky the fucking house down because she came into the house being estranged from her dad, a man named Evil Dick. If you've never seen a compilation of Evil Dick being mean to people in the house on Big Brother, um, it is like nothing I have ever seen. And to this day, I don't think I've ever really seen anything like it. I, I don't even know what to say about Evil Dick. This isn't about him. But such so she was a part of a really crazy twist during a time when Big Brother was just like being fucking ratchet. Like her dad, who she was estranged from, was just like in the house. And that was the game. That was the twist. Um, and she did really well. She got really far. Danielle is interesting. She reminds me a lot of what I would probably be like if I were in the Big Brother house. She's very sarcastic. She's very quick and like quippy. And her humor can come off as condescending and rude to people who are not also sarcastic. So she really, I, I feel like she's trying really hard to come off as like a sweet person, but like it's not in her to be that way. So over time, we've like, over the past couple of weeks, we've sort of seen 
this like veneer that she came in the house with like kind of crumble um I think that people are going to get really, really, really annoyed by Danielle at a certain point. I don't think Devon is going to be living for Danielle's comedy gig. I really don't. I think it's going to be a problem here fairly shortly. Um, But I like Danielle. I'm a fan. I think her social game is great. I think she plays really, really hard. Maybe a little bit too hard. She goes really intense, really fast. Um... But I like her. I think she's really entertaining. I like watching her on TV. I think she's funny. And, you know, like I said, this is like, she's like Big Brother family. So I think it would be cool if she won. Moving on to Cody Calafiore. Um, Cody was on Big Brother 16. He was a runner up. Cody is mostly known for uh, taking his best friend slash the guy who basically like puppeteered him to the end of the show basically Cody is like kind of an idiot like he's a really really nice guy but he's like kind of dumb when it comes to gameplay and he he needs a person to kind of tell him what he should and shouldn't be doing otherwise he just kind of spirals and Derek was that for him. Derek would just tell him what to do, when to do it. Derek was this mastermind manipulator and undercover cop in real life. And um, Cody took him to the end and he lost because he took the guy to the end who deserved it more than the other person who was like an idiot who never did anything. Like he would have won. So he's mostly known for making a really poor choice at the very end of the game and losing because he was too loyal. Um... He's also known for being hot. Cody is fucking hot. He is the human equivalent of sex. He is the sex, as we used to say back in the MySpace days. Cody is the sex. Um, he is gorgeous. He's beautiful. His brother has been on the show, Polly. Polly um, is like the douchey, chachi version of Cody. Cody is very like... Cody is one of those guys that you just like know instinctively is a good person. Like, in his heart, in his soul, and his spirit, body, mind, and all the things, he's a good guy. He can't help but be a good guy. If anything, he's too much of a good guy at times. Um, This season, I think Cody is going to dominate the house for a very long time. I think it's going to be a long time before anybody tries to get him out. Um, he's in about 90 different alliances. Everybody wants to work with him. He's just that guy. Everybody wants to be aligned with Cody somehow. Everybody wants to tell Cody their secrets. Everybody wants Cody to, you know, work with them and help him, help them and blah, blah, blah. So I think that he's going to have his hand in a bunch of pots the whole time. I'm excited to see him have to kind of squirm because so far he's like, he's one HOH and he's been on the side of the house that has power. Um, everybody, like I said, wants to work with him. So I'm excited to see something happen where, like, the power flips and Cody has to be worried about something. Because I'm sick of fucking watching men dominate this game. Moving on to Kevin. Kevin is our token gay this year. Kevin is from Big Brother 11. Um, during his time on the show... Kevin was known for being funny and like feisty and he was the creator of chaos. He was just, I mean, he was literally known for going around the house and just like starting chaos with his friend Lydia. 
it was really fun to watch. Kevin made for some really great TV. Um, yeah, I, I thought Kevin was a very random choice for like the token gay to bring back. I can think of so many other gay cast members that I would have rather seen. And I'm not trying to be like whatever, but like that's how Big Brother looks at human people. Um, there could only be one gay person per season. Um, sometimes there's a gay guy and a lesbian, but usually there's just one gay person and, uh, they chose Kevin. I don't know. I mean, Kevin's cool. He's chill. I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have like strong opinions about Kevin. Really. I would have rather seen like Reagan in the big brother house again. Even Andy, I think would, would have been really fun to see. It would be fun to see Andy play with a bunch of people who aren't racist psychopaths. Um, especially because Andy was so, so hated. I don't know. This would have been fun. Kevin is fine though. I don't know. This season, Kevin is like falling into the cliche that so many gay, gay characters on the show fall into is that he's like, he's a rat in the sense that he just kind of like collects information and then gossips it throughout the house. And, um, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot else to say about Kevin, but he's fun to watch. Moving on to Tyler. Tyler was from Big Brother 20. He was the runner-up. Um, I would say that Tyler is mostly known for... Like, Tyler came into the house and was, like, the guy who sort of pretended to be dumb. He pretended to be this, like, idiot surfer bro. And everybody fell for it. But Tyler is actually super, super smart. His social game is out of this world. Everybody loves Tyler. It's really hard to stay mad at him. He just is like the guy that you want to, he's just so chill that if you were in this situation and you had to live in this house, Tyler is the kind of person that you would want to live in the house with. He's just very chill and super, super nice. Um, Tyler's big problem last year was that he had too many alliances. He was too involved in too many things and people caught on to it at the end. And that seems to be what he's doing now. I mean, he literally is connected to, I think every single person in the house thinks that they have an alliance with him or they're in some sort of group alliance with him. They have like, and that's the, the sort of the theme of this season. Like everybody has 20 alliances. It is insane. It's fucking nuts. Um, it's so hard to keep up with, but I don't know. I like Tyler. I really, really like Tyler. I think he's super cute. Like I said, he's really chill. I would love to like hang out with Tyler. He seems like somebody who'd be fun to smoke weed with. I don't know. That's all I really have to say about Tyler. I think he's going to go really far. I think it's going to be a long time before somebody makes a, like a big move on Tyler. He's currently HOH. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, the whole house is obviously going to push for him to get rid of Janelle. And that's probably what's going to happen unless she wins the veto and she knows that. So I don't know. We'll see. Next up, we have Bailey. Bailey was also on Big Brother 20 with Tyler. She's mostly known for falling in love on her season with a man named Swaggy C. And if you are not a fan of the show, yes, that is his name, not his birth name, but it's the name that he is known for. And... I really honestly hate that that feels so normal to me to say. Um, Bailey's cool. I mean, <clears throat> the thing about Bailey is that I've noticed is that she talks a lot. And in the Big Brother house, it can be a huge detriment to like 
talk more than you listen. She talks a lot and she's got her hands in a lot of pots. Um, I think Bailey will do fine this year. I really do. I think that people are sort of starting to get like weird, weirded out and paranoid by how, how many pots she has her hand in cookie jars, whatever. Um, but I could see her going really far. I, I really like Bailey. I think she's a really, really cool, just like chill person. She seems like she'd be cool to hang out with. Um, I don't really have any ill will towards her. I don't really have a ton to say about Bailey. Uh, she's not like my choice to win by any means, but I don't mind her being there. Nicole Franzel. <laughs> Where do we start with Nicole Franzel? Okay, so Nicole was on Big Brother 16 with Cody, and she also competed on Big Brother 18, which she won. Nicole, in the big scheme of things, is most known in the Big Brother community as someone who would get in these showmances with people and sort of have guys, like, carry her to the end and pretend the whole time that she's, like, this damsel. (laughs) Now, if you can't tell, I do not fucking like Nicole. I can find a redeeming thing about all of these people. Nicole is just the fucking pits to me. And there are things about her that I understand are charming. I understand that they're objectively charming. But I think the other facets of her personality are so gross that they outweigh all of the charm and whimsy in her ugly Michigan accent. Like, I just don't think any of it is any of it is cute or novel anymore. Um, And yeah, Nicole is one of the only winners in the house. There are only two winners and Nicole is one of them. Her win was super controversial. Like I said, she kind of got sort of dragged along to the end by this guy. And uh, she's also like very anti-girl in the house. Like Nicole is the girl who likes to be surrounded by the boys because the boys will protect the girl. She plays damsel. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I don't really have a whole lot to say about Nicole. I am not a fan. I really, really don't like Nicole at all. This year, Nicole is doing exactly what I figured she would do. She has all of these alliances. And it seems like her one true alliance is to Cody. Because in her mind, she can't play this game and not have at least one... She can't play this game and not be connected to one specific guy who she can tell all of her shit to. So she collects information and then gives all of it to Cody. I think she thinks that Cody's going to be her ticket. And she's also really, really close to Danielle because they have a friendship outside of the house. They're actual, like, best friends in real life. So they're super close. Um, I don't know. I think that Nicole... I think that the novelty of Nicole has worn off so much by this point and these people all know her that they all know her gig they all know her game and there are people in the house that she's crossed in the past that she's had to kind of work things out with and I don't think it was genuinely worked out like Devon and Nicole have had some pretty intense issues in the past and I don't know I don't fucking know I gotta move on from Nicole because I can honestly ride her ass all fucking night I really honestly don't like her at all so I've got to move on because I have to (laughs) 
Okay, let's move on to Memphis. Um, so Memphis competed on Big Brother 10. Um, he's mostly known for being a part of the, in quotes, Renegades Alliance. Um, he made it to the final two with Dan Giesling, but he lost to Dan. Um, and he's also known for fucking over Keisha, who was also on this season of the show. Um, basically allowing her to think that she was going to like go to the end with him. And, uh, he lied to her the whole time. Memphis is a tough one. Memphis is a tough one. Memphis is a tough one. Here's why Memphis is tough for me and why I don't feel like I can even be objective about my opinion on him. Memphis is testosterone dad energy, the house down mama boots house. He is testosterone. Where's the rest of that dress? fantasy just like dad fantasy the kind that I don't get along with like I can tell you right now that Memphis is somebody that I would not get along with in the house um but as far as his gameplay it's 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 crazy because it's like Memphis is super aggressive he's super um condescending he is an asshole he sort of like thinks he knows everything um I think he looks at a lot of the people in the house as these like young idiot kids who don't know as much as him because he's an elder and he has a kid and he played the game in its better years and blah, blah, blah. Um, And it's weird because he is condescending and he is an asshole, but he isn't playing a terrible game of Big Brother. I think it's interesting watching people like Memphis play in comparison to like sort of some of the younger people, because you can see that there's like a very clear difference in the way that the old school people play big brother versus the people who have been on, you know, seasons last year. There's a very clear difference this year. The house is very like, nobody wants to make waves. They all want to be coddled a little bit. They all like to know They want to know what's going on from the HOH. They want to know the HOH's intentions. And then they want to go downstairs and discuss the intentions of the HOH and talk about it in the house and then decide whether or not they want to, like, follow through with what the HOH wants. Like, they treat the person who is the head of household as, like, this, like, king when really it's just a person who won a competition and gets to put people up. And Memphis chose to kind of go the old school route of like not telling everybody what his plan is and just doing whatever he wanted to do. And it sent everybody into like an emotional spiral. It was crazy to watch. It was such like a clash of two different worlds. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot to say about Memphis either. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I, that's about it. Nah. Let's move on to Enzo, a.k.a. the Meow Meow. Um, Enzo is from season 12. He is mostly known for being a part of an alliance called the Brigade. It is one of the most famous alliances in the history of the show. And it's famous because of how successful it was and how dramatic it was to watch them sort of knock everybody out. And then at the end tell Brittany, who is my all-time favorite cast member of any reality television show, um, that she wasn't going to win no matter what she did because 
she's in the house with a group of men called the Brigade that have been working together the whole time. It was gut-wrenching, but it was amazing. It was amazing television. Enzo came up with the name of the Brigade, and he named everybody, and it's one of the most iconic moments in Big Brother history. Um, the hilarious thing, though, is that Enzo is the least, he brings the least to the table. He has no skills. <laughs> he doesn't really win things. I mean, he has won stuff this season, um, but he's one of those guys that kind of wins stuff on a whim. Um, you know, he's not, he's got a pretty good social game. Everybody in the house loves Enzo. I don't think so far there's been a single conversation about sending Enzo home. Um, Enzo is just like, he's a broy douchebag, but he's funny. And that's the thing about Enzo is like, he's fucking funny. Even when he doesn't want to be funny, he's funny. And he's not funny when he's trying to be. He's mostly funny when he's not trying to be. He's like one of those guys. I don't know. I think Enzo will actually get pretty far. I think it's going to be a long time before anybody sees Enzo as some person that they need to target. And even if they do target Enzo, it's like, I just don't see anybody in the house really like following through with pulling the trigger on Enzo. So I think he'll get pretty far. Oh, let's talk about Kaser. Okay, so Kaser was on Big Brother 6 with Janelle. He was also on Big Brother 7. And, you know, it's so crazy. Like, Kaser and Janelle are basically in the same position they were in 14 or 15 years ago at this point. Right now. They're on the block together. They're fighting together. They're both underdogging it. And, like, it's just so crazy. Kaser is mostly known for... Oh, Oh my god, my phone thought that I was talking to it. Anyway, Kaser is known as, he's an underdog. He's the ultimate underdog. And he left the house. I want to say America got to vote somebody back into the house and he was the person they chose to come back. And then he left again immediately. Um, Kaser has a really intense way of playing Big Brother. He's very, you know, he's intense. Like, I honestly think that a lot of the reason Janelle's game got fucked this year was because Kaser was in the house with her. They were obviously immediately paired together, whether they wanted to be or not. And he has a very different way of playing the game than she does. He's very sort of like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Let's act on this right now. Let's go talk to the person right now because just I just realized that we need to talk to them right now and we need to make sure that they know how we feel and we need to go in that room and get this person in there and get an alliance going and we'll name it this and blah, blah, blah. Like, he's just very, like, he's really intense. And I think he's off-putting. I think he was super off-putting to a lot of the younger people in the house. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always rooting for Kaser, always. I have such a weird connection to him because during his season, I'll never forget that Kaser was on the show um, post 9-11 and it was like written into the show, like not written into it, but it was like a part of the, this, this, the season that the house guests were put off by Kaser because we were living in a post 9-11 world and, you know, they were uncomfortable with him praying it was just so fucking weird. Um, but that's just like a weird childhood thing that I always sort of equate to him. And I don't know. I don't know. I love Kaser. I'm rooting for him. I know that he's, if he doesn't leave, Janelle's probably going to leave or vice versa. I would rather him leave. But I don't know. I love him. Devon. Oh, my goddess. Okay. 
So Devon is from Big Brother 17. She was also on Big Brother 18. Um, Devon is mostly known for being just like super inquisitive and, and knowing what's going on in the house and having, she's always, um, described as having like really good intuition. That's the thing people bring up about her all the time that she has a really good read on everything going on. Her problem is that she acts on, she, she can't keep her mouth shut. She gets really, really paranoid and she sort of lets the paranoia of the game get the best of her, which sucks because rooting for Devon is so fun. Devon is funny. She's quick. She's quirky. She's really good DR sessions. She's the queen of the big brother meme. I mean, let's be honest. Devon is the meme queen. If you've never seen big brother, you've seen the gif of somebody leaving the big brother house and making that face. Um, and like, I don't even know how you would describe it. Like pulling the door open with her, her leg up and like kicking her feet out the door. That's Devon. And also pretends to pretend, pretending to be shocked meme. That's Devon. She's an icon. Um, and she was, she is also the person who figured out during her season, there was a twin twist and Devon was the person who, she was the first person in the house to figure it out. And she figured it out so early in the season that she almost kind of like ruined the twist of the season. She was like, oh, that's a twin. And that one has a bigger ass than that one. And I call that one Thickums. Like literally she knew immediately that there was a twin. She's amazing. Um, I think that Devon is going to have a rough go this year. I really, I know she's going to like fucking fight her ass off, but Devon isn't known for winning things is the problem. Devon has played this game twice and she's never won a single competition. That's a problem. She's going to be in a position eventually where she needs to save herself. The house already sort of feels like she's playing too hard and she's too paranoid and she's like sort of manic a little bit. Um... So I do think that the time is going to come fairly shortly for her to have to like fight for herself to stay. And I just hope that she wins a competition when it matters because I love her. Keisha. Keisha is from Big Brother 10. She is the person that I mentioned earlier who got fucked by Memphis and found out basically at the end of the, the, the game that there was no way she'd be able to win because... The whole time there was a plan for her to not be chosen to go to the finale. Um, she was America's favorite. I mean, back in the day, people loved Keisha because she was feisty and she didn't give a fuck. And she was like, I mean, if Keisha had something to say, like Keisha would fucking say it. Keisha's birthday party is one of the most iconic moments in the history of reality television. If you've never seen it, please just YouTube Keisha's birthday party. When you put in Keisha B, it'll pop right up and it'll have millions of views. It is amazing. Um, I don't know. Keisha's sweet. Like, Keisha came back neutered. Keisha is an older gal now. She, I mean, she doesn't have children or anything, but she's got a real mom mentality. She's very chill. To, to put it nicely, she was boring as fuck. She came into the house and didn't do anything and did not r rally for herself to stay. I mean, her campaigning was an absolute joke and a nightmare. And I have to be honest, like she was a real big disappointment. And 
Everybody was so excited for Keisha to come back, which I thought was so weird. Of all the people, Keisha, people were freaking out about. But she left first, and she was terrible this year. It was fun to see her again. Really nice gal, but eh. And last but not least, Dr. Ian Terry. (laughs) Oh, Ian, one of my favorite players in the history of the game. Ian is the winner of Big Brother 14. Ian is mostly known for... Bring, he brought Dan Geesling along to the end of the show with him. Dan Geesling is arguably one of the best competitors in the history of this of any reality television show. He's so good at it that he literally wrote a book on how to compete on Big Brother and win. He's amazing. Um, and yeah, Ian, Ian brought him to the end of the game and he beat him. And it's amazing. I mean, honestly, Ian's win is like, a real high point for this for this game um it is the true definition of the underdog like winning in the end because ian is like an 80s movie nerd like he's such a nerd that it almost feels like an act but it's not he's just a really sweet intelligent nice guy um i've learned so much about autism from watching ian on the live feeds and I just, like, I don't know. I just love him. I love Ian. I love watching Ian play Big Brother. I love watching him have to adapt. It's funny because for most people going into this game, like, they feel confident in their social ability. They're like, I may not be good at competitions. I may not be able to do so-and-so, but I can at least make friends. And Ian is one of the few people that has the opposite issue where he's very open about the fact that the social aspect of the game is the biggest hurdle for him having to be on and be around people all day and not offend people with the things that he says when he's not at all meaning to be offensive. Um, It's just interesting. I love Ian so much. And this season, Ian is, I think, in a pretty good position. Ian is, like, laying very low. He's laying low. He's not really getting too much involved in, like, the fray He's not really the guy who's making 9,000 alliances. They all have a million alliances this year, but Ian is kind of like, I don't know, he's just like laying low, which is cool. Um, I would love to see Ian, like, I think it would be cool if Ian won twice, but I think that he and Nicole are going to have a really hard time. Um, Nicole brought up earlier in the season that he, like, they basically need to go to the end together because the only shot that they have of winning is against each other. And she's, it's the smartest thing she's maybe ever said. Cause it's true. Nobody's going to vote for a winner to win twice. Like literally nobody, no matter what they do. And they know each other really well now. So it's like their opinion on that isn't going to change by the time they get to the end. Um, but I think that covers the whole cast. I don't know. This season is going to be, it has potential to be great right now. It's weird. I'm having a hard time watching the show, watching them just like fucking obsessively bash Janelle for no reason. And obviously it's become a big thing because if you follow any Big Brother accounts on social media or even just like take a gander at them, it's literally people just being like, what the fuck? These people are insane. Leave Janelle alone because people love Janelle. Um, And I've seen now that Victor, Nicole's, Victor used to play Big Brother, and he's Nicole Franzel's uh, fiance. Has had to like, you know, defend her online because people hate Nicole, which I love. 
I don't fucking know. I love Big Brother. I love this game. I, I Maybe I'll do another one of these episodes where, like, I'll start covering Big Brother in the bonus episodes. I've been trying to figure out for a long time how to cover Big Brother on this podcast because it's on three days a week and I can't, like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, I think that's all I have to say. This was an hour and 26 minutes. I literally thought it would be, like, 20, but I'm an idiot for thinking that I could talk about Big Brother for any less than an hour. I clearly need to get off the microphone. I'm starting to stammer and not make any sense. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to my Big Brother TED Talk, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.